You are listening to a podcast produced by the New Zealand Centre for Political Research. Follow this and our other podcasts on nzcpr.com. Welcome to our podcast for the 30th of June 2023, presented by Dr. Muriel Newman. How farmers are the most efficient food producers in the world, with the lowest carbon footprint. Despite this, Labour and the Greens want to reduce production by taxing methane produced by livestock. They say this is to achieve our international commitments to climate change. But why is the Ministry for the Environment using models that grossly overestimate the effect methane is having on the climate? And why are they using assumptions that have been rejected by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change? Here's Muriel Newman. New Zealand is officially in a recession. The latest statistics New Zealand figures confirm two quarters of negative growth a fall of 0.1% in the three months ended March, following a fall of 0.7% in the December quarter. This contraction is at odds with the Reserve Bank's forecasts of 0.3% growth and has led to the question of whether their interest rate increase has been too aggressive. In 2017, Labour inherited a rock star economy. It deteriorated sharply in 2020 as Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's world-leading harsh lockdowns and strict border closures took effect. The post-lockdown borrowing and spending that flooded the economy with easy money and created runaway inflation was unprecedented. The latest May 2023 food price index shows significant annual increases. Vegetables are up 18.4%, meat and poultry and fish 11.7%, and grocery items 12.7%. Stats New Zealand data shows the biggest deterioration in output over the last 12 months was primary industries. They fell 3.7%. This trend is consistent with a 2022 analysis by Infometrics which found sheep, beef and dairy farming were all in decline. An insight into what's going on can be seen in a Farmers Weekly article from March. It featured a former regional head of Federated Farmers who just sold his 440 hectare sheep and cattle farm. The overseas company that bought the farm had offered $2 million more for it to be turned into forestry than the closest offer that would have kept it as farmland. It was clearly an agonising decision to sell the farm that had been in the family for generations, but the straw that broke the camel's back was the increase in government regulation. The article said, quote, An ongoing stream of legislative and regulation changes have added fuel to the family's decision to sell out sooner rather than later. With impending national environmental standards coming out, the general cost of operating this type of property was not sustainable. This included having to fence about 12 kilometres of stream length on a highly floodable area where they'd already lost 6 kilometres of fence in an earlier flood. 
The property includes plentiful native bush, something that he said did not seem to count for much under government emissions policy. We were at the top end of the gas emissions charges at about $40,000, which we could not recoup. End quote. With growing debt and escalating expenses, employing staff was out of the question, so there was never any prospect of taking a break from the farm. The forestry company has given the family an opportunity to start a new life, free from what was fast becoming a millstone around their neck. Thanks to Labour and the Greens, there will be farmers all over New Zealand who, facing the massive regulatory cost burden that's being forced on them by this government, no doubt will be considering whether they too should be selling up to the carbon farmers. At the heart of the problems faced by farmers are the harsh methane penalties being planned by Labour and the Greens. According to the farm lobby group Groundswell, New Zealand's farmers already have the lowest carbon footprint in the world. Quote, Any reduction in New Zealand emissions would just be replaced by less efficient nations like Brazil entering the market. We're just going to send it offshore and achieve absolutely nothing. End quote. Groundswell has presented a 100,000 strong petition signature to Parliament to stop the introduction of farm-level emissions pricing. National has now said they'll delay pricing methane until at least 2030. They say this is to give science and technology a chance to provide mitigation alternatives. But National needs to take a much longer and harder look at what is really going on. Back in 2011, the British climate researcher, Dr Wilson Flood, wrote an article for the academic journal Energy and the Environment, countering the growing hysteria over methane and setting the record straight over the misconception that it's a dangerous greenhouse gas. He explained that not only is the quantity of methane in the air so small that even a doubling would not produce any appreciable warning, but that the rate of increase of the gas in the atmosphere is so slow that it would take 360 years to double. Dr Flood also pointed out that since the warming ability of methane is only seven times that of carbon dioxide, livestock presents no conceivable threat of any kind. Cows and sheep cannot contribute to global warming in any conceivable way. He concluded that the research into altering the diet of farm animals to reduce dietary methane is hugely wasteful of resources. Here in New Zealand, an eye-watering amount of money has been poured into the black hole of methane research. That research is attempting to change livestock digestion, despite livestock emissions being part of a long-established natural cycle that is harmless. This week's NZCPR guest commentator is Barry Brill, the chairman of the New Zealand Climate Science Coalition and a former government minister. His comprehensive review of methane points out that the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change now admits that methane is seven times, not 28, more effective at being a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. Their sixth assessment report states on page 1016 of Chapter 7, quote, 
expressing methane emissions as CO2 equivalents of 28 overstates the effect on global surface temperatures by a factor of 3 to 4, end quote. Barry then goes on to say, quote, No doubt this took the legs out from under Minister Shaw. He'd been personally briefed on the flaws in 2019, but in a later answer to a parliamentary question said that he was not a climate scientist himself and would be guided by the IPCC. That hasn't happened yet, end quote. Barry Brill believes this revelation that the warming ability of methane is only seven times that of carbon dioxide instead of 28 changes everything. He says, quote, All the scenarios and budgets are now clearly wrong. If methane will only cause 25% as much warming as previously expected, then we won't need those huge reductions that appear in the now outdated scenarios. With this new understanding, the 1.5 degree aspirational goal comes back within our collective grasp and with much less pain and anxiety than used to be expected. It's wonderful news and a win-win all around. Let's celebrate. End quote. However, far from celebrating, the government appears to have its head in the sand as it continues to use the discredited data to impose penalties on methane producers that are four times higher than they should be. The waste sector, which entered the emissions trading scheme in 2013, is already a victim for what looks likely to become an overcharging scandal. The Ministry for the Environment's website says, quote, 94% of waste emissions were biogenic methane, largely generated by the decomposition of organic waste. While waste contributes a small percentage of our total emissions, biogenic methane has a warming effect 28 times greater than carbon dioxide. End quote. It references this statement back to the fifth assessment report of the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which was completed in 2014. Clearly, the Ministry for the Environment has not taken any notice of the sixth assessment report, which has corrected the error. The mainstream media should be challenging this. The government should be held to account for knowingly overpricing methane. But the problem New Zealand faces is that for the last five years or so, much of our mainstream media has adopted a pro-climate emergency advocacy stance. For example, this is Stuff's position, quote, Stuff accepts the overwhelming scientific consensus that climate change is real and caused by human activity. We welcome robust debate about the appropriate response to climate change, but do not intend to provide a venue for denialism or hoax advocacy. End quote. If Stuff and other mainstream media organisations had been acting as democracy's fourth estate, it would be promoting facts, not climate alarmism, and maybe the politicians would not have been able to get away with their extreme policies that are driving farmers off their land and forcing Kiwis to pay more for food than they should. And had the media been doing its job, maybe the public would be far more alarmed at the extortionate costs 
that Labor and the Greens are attempting to force onto the country through their zero carbon agenda. Even Treasury is expressing alarm. According to their Climate, Economic and Fiscal Assessment 2023 report that was released in April, the cost of meeting Labor's climate commitments by 2030 are, quote, a significant fiscal risk, end quote. Treasury predicts the cost of offshore carbon mitigation that's needed to meet up to 70% of our climate targets will be around $25 billion. That's 28% of the new operating expenditure between 2024 and 2030. Let's not forget New Zealand is the only country in the world that's regulating livestock emissions. As New Zealand's climate research professor Dave Frame and senior climate diplomat Dr Adrian Macy have explained, quote, delivering good outcomes in climate policy is not just about giving negotiators and ministers a free rein to make even grander promises. It's at least as much about ensuring policy can deliver on the promises already made, end quote. In a series of five articles for Business Desk published in 2022, they critically examine the state of climate policy in New Zealand. They point out that when the Kyoto Protocol was being developed in the 90s, exemptions for methane were sought. Quote, A few countries, including New Zealand, argued special circumstances to get a lesser target. Our reasons were twofold. First, our hydro and geothermal electricity made up so much of our total that we didn't have the potential to make large reductions in carbon dioxide. Other industrialised countries could retire their old coal-fired power stations. Second, half of our emissions were from agriculture and there was simply no technology to reduce methane in particular. No other developed country had anything like this proportion of agricultural emissions in their total. End quote. A cabinet minute from the Bolger government in 1992 confirms a similar approach. It said, quote, In the absence of significant scientific and technological advances, we do not expect to be able to make significant progress on methane. As the Convention specifically recognises the need for technology to be available to enable countries to deal with emissions and also recognises the differences in economic circumstances, we believe New Zealand's inability to reduce emissions in these areas can be adequately justified in our reporting. End quote. A technical fix is still not available. Instead of emulating the Bolger government, and taking methane out of the equation, Labour and the Greens have saddled New Zealand with unachievable targets at unaffordable costs. Our Labour Green government has also ignored the fact that the Paris Agreement specifically allows for the unique circumstances of countries like ours to be taken into account. The reality that the global warming radicals overlook is New Zealand is one of the least carbon-emitting countries in the world. If there is a problem, it's for others to solve, not us. What's worse is this. Not only is Labour using the UN's discredited data to overcharge for methane, Treasury's climate report includes references to the IPCC's 
now abandoned RCP 8.5 scenario, which is based on false assumptions about massive sea level rise that the IPCC has now corrected. The fact that central and local government is still using such extremist sea level rise predictions and their official guidance is yet another scandal. In that case, it is ratepayers who will bear the needless cost. What is now needed are wise heads to undertake a comprehensive review of government climate policy, including the emissions trading scheme, which is already proving itself to be an abject failure that will require ongoing taxpayer funding to prop up. That's it for this week. Don't forget to visit www.nzcpr.com if you'd like to register for our free newsletter, take part in our poll or access a treasure chest of valuable information. See you soon. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by NZCPR Media.